<laughs> we're up in it. Uh, mad skills. Mad corners. What up? <laughs> Thank you for being our guest today um, on the first edition of the COVID Unscripted. The first question I really want to ask you is just how you're maintaining, like, how is this all affecting you, you know? Oh, man. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, at first I was going to the studio a lot. Uh, just here in the studio, once they put the uh, self-quarantine on, you know, I didn't want to. I didn't want to get anybody sick. I didn't want to get sick. So um, I was super mindful of when I went to the studio, I took my own gear, my own headphones, my own pop screen, uh, my own keyboard. Um, so, you know, but it still was a lot of people. A few people had been through there, not a lot. But, um, but between here and the studio, I've still been able to be productive um, in, inside this quarantine. I accepted early that this wasn't going to be over anytime soon. Mm. So um, I was like, okay, we're probably going to be, this probably going to be the deal until the summer. So I knew it wasn't about to be a two week thing or, you know, back next week we were back. So I started teaching myself how to mix my own songs and pro tools, uh, or at least, you know, not mix, but at least get, you know, a good mix out of my, you know, SoundCloud stuff or stuff like edits and things like that. So um, I've been teaching myself how to mix um, in Pro Tools on the side, reading books, um, watching old New York Undercover episodes and Soul Train episodes and shit. I watched Run DMC's Tougher Than Leather the other day. Oh, shit. How's that holding up? Uh, it's, it's still the worst hip-hop movie ever made. I just wanted to make <laughs> sure it was still the worst hip-hop movie ever made. Yeah, that's good. You're keeping busy. I, mean, I feel like we've got a kind of find ways to occupy this time and make the most of it right while we're all inside yeah man you should um and you know everybody's gonna deal with it different um some people might not be productive some people might come out of this you know with a, with a high anxiety about just going you know outside and things of that nature everybody's gonna deal with it different but i think it um it's definitely a learning experience for sure. no yeah and um, what do you think the world like how do you feel this is going to really change the world? I mean, it's no doubt that it's changing the world, but how do you feel it's going to change the world? Um, I believe that I don't want it to be our new normal. I don't want our new normal to be able to not be around people. You know what I mean? I, I hope that that isn't uh, the new normal. To, to be scared to, to hug somebody or to, to be scared to give somebody a pound, like, you know, um, physical interaction, even in the lightest ways, it's, it still means a lot. It goes, uh, it goes a long way. That's all we've known our whole life. Mm. This is the first time anything in our whole life has happened like this, that we've been here and let, you know what I mean? Like people my age and younger. So um, I just hope it doesn't take away the camaraderie and just being able to show people love and give them a pound and give them a hug and, and, and wish them well. You know what I mean? Um, I hope it doesn't take away that. And, and you know, I, I realize that a lot of people are passing away because of this. Um, and we're all going to be scared of something that can literally kill you. But um, I, I, I just hope that our new normal isn't stay away from you. Right. I mean, I, I hope that's not our new normal. Yeah, it's so important to have people together, right? Yeah. Especially yeah, no, with music. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, I, I kind of want to shift the the topic. I feel like this is you know we could go on a rabbit hole and talk about this, and it would it could right. get quite depressing. Yeah. Um, and since you're here, I really want to talk about you and 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 what your you know your career is and what you do and and you know if people don't aren't familiar, I really want to showcase some of the things that I know and and really respect about you. One of the, the questions I really want to ask is like you're primarily known as a as an MC, but you know of of recent times your DJ career has really blossomed, and and that's uh. That's something that's kind of, uh, I guess, a new thing for you. Would you say? It's definitely new. And how did that, how, like, how did that all kind of come about? Um, being an MC and and you know how how do you feel those things kind of relate to each other? I mean, I always felt like you know even before I started rapping, I I just loved hip hop. So, I, you know, I always felt like I would be doing something that was related to it because it spoke to me directly. Um, Rapping just happened to be the thing that I got a reaction from when I was younger. You know, I'd say a rap and, you know, I hit a punchline and I get the ooh. Like, so I was like, oh, this must be what I'm meant to do. So, I, you know, I, I started rapping in the early 90s and, um, you know, put out six or seven albums. I don't know how many mixtapes. Uh, I had a, you know, have a career as, as a songwriter, ghostwriter back in the days. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just love music, man. Like, so anything that you know involves music, um, it's it's definitely gonna jump the line to as far as anything else. Like, I'm not a I'm not a gamer, you know. I'm not a, a sports fanatic or anything like that. But if it's music related, it automatically halfway already has a chance with me. So the DJing came afterwards, and um, I just. I started to enjoy presenting music to people. Like I've been presenting music to people my whole life, whether I was performing it myself, then I started writing it for other people. Um, and, and then, you know, to, to play it. Um, and you know, the, the same way I would get a, a um, you know, satisfaction from a punchline and ooh, and getting that effect is the same way I would get, I would start to get, you know, that oh, like when you drop a, a record and the crowd wasn't expecting or a transition or something of that nature. So um, I started DJing quietly. I think maybe the first person I told her I wanted to do it was like Shortcut. I remember we were in Amsterdam and I saw Shortcut. He was going to get his laundry. I think he had he had put his laundry in a in a cleaners, and and while we, we were waiting, we went to go get something to eat. And um, I was telling him, I was like, "Yeah, man, I th- I'm thinking about DJing." And he was like, "Yo, you should do that shit, bro." Like shortcut, but we were in this new music seminar together, like 1993. He was he was DJing, I was rapping, and and he was like, "Yeah, man, whatever you need, bro. Like if you need some songs, you need, you know what I mean? Like I, I got I got tons of stuff." So um, I started taking it serious, um. And I knew I would. I knew I wanted to get better. And uh, I moved to the West Coast, and uh, Beat Junkies, you know what I mean, were, you know, they had just opened up a school. Um, and I started going down there with Redmatic, and and everybody was like, "Yo, Redmatic would be like my my like my coach." And he would come to the studio, and he would say, "Yo, you gotta do this, and, and you know, close the fader quicker, just certain things." He was telling cats like, "Yo, skills is getting nice." And everyone was like, "Oh, word, like." He's like, yo, like, trust me, bro. Like, and then I met DJ Manuel at a at a party, and um, I had watched his videos, and Manuel was like, yo, come over to the crib, fool. So I went to his crib, and um, 
he became one of my coaches. And um, like hands on, I was at Manuel's house like twice a week. You know what I'm saying? And and I would do things, and I didn't know if I was doing it right. And Manuel was he was he would explain it to me in a way that I could understand it. And um, because you know a lot of DJs are real technical when they explaining things. Yeah, you know what I mean. And um, he was just like, "Nah, fool! Like you almost there. Like he he would he would break it down to me in a way that I would understand. He like, yo, if 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 what you're trying to do, this this combination you're trying to do, you're you're eighty percent already doing it. You just need it's twenty percent left of what you got to do, and then you got to get back here. And he would explain it to me. So Manuel, Redmatic, Beat Junkies were very instrumental um, in in helping me, like hands on. And then I started going out and doing parties, like. And once that started, the phone just started ringing, and I knew I couldn't be whack, you know what I mean? Mm. But I knew I wasn't. That was the thing. I was like, I'm going. I want to be the best rapper, X. I want to be the best DJ X, X rapper ever, because it ain't a lot of us. No. You know what I mean? It's like Lord Finesse, Red Man, Be Real. J Live, it's yeah. not a lot of us. So, um, you know, that are, you know, ambidextrous can do tricks, like can do routines, and um, and I had this idea. I was like, yeah, like when it's all said and done, like I'm gonna be in like a Red Bull freestyle battle, like, and I'm gonna kill that shit, like, <laughs> you know what I mean, like, and I, I just knew that the homies were like pushing me, so I got better, man, and. And I got better quick because I was in there every day, like, and uh, it just happened. And um, once people started seeing I was serious, uh, you know, people, they were like, yo, I would put up videos of me practicing and just doing things wrong and 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 almost getting the trick. And people would be like, yo, man, like, you know, people like Craze and people like that were like, yo, like, you're really putting in the work. Like, you're, you are getting better. Like, that's that's so dope to see that. Yeah. And I, I remember one time I was at the Beat Junkie school and Chalk was like, I was trying to learn this uh this flair or whatever. And Chalk looked at everybody. He was like, yo, if you would have told me in 1993 that in 2019 we would have a DJ school in Glendale, California, and Mad Skills would be one of our students, like I would have never believed you. <laughs> And it's such a change, a turn of events, man. But I, I love it, man. I have, I'm, I'm having way more fun DJing than I've ever had rapping. Um, do you feel like uh, the transition from being, you know, into a full time DJing or DJing uh, a lot was received well by your fans, or like, or did you gain new fans from that whole experience, or how did that work out? I mean, to my fans, like the hardcore, you know, Mad Skills fans, it was always hip hop to them. So. Mm. I think I think what happened was, you know, people would I would do a set or people would come to see me do a set and they thought that I was just gonna play nineties hip hop. Like mm. it's like, oh, you know, he's just gonna play some Nas and some Biggie and some Wu Tang clan, he'll probably play some boot camp click because that's my era. Yeah. But you know, I play everything. You know what I mean? Like, um, you know, I think once they started like, Oh, like he's for real. Like, cause, you know, before all of this happened, like I would say, like a year ago, maybe with like a year ago and a, maybe almost two years ago, I wasn't getting any gigs. So that's all I was doing was DJing online, right? Because I wanted people to see me, 
And I knew I was like, well, you know, everybody, if I do a party in L.A. or I do a party in Virginia, everybody might not be able to come to that. But everybody has a phone. Yeah. So, you know, I'm going to hop on and play some breaks or, or whatever. And I was doing it in my studio um, a while back. And this is when I first started uh, hopping on Facebook. And, and then, um, you know, I've been DJing online because I was like, ain't nobody, wasn't nobody booking me. So, and then I would, it, it never failed. Like every time I would finish a live set, I would always get two or three messages like, yo, man, like, yo, you think you, I, I want to bring you out to so-and-so and do this party or, you know, low key was like, yo, I'm, I do this party called Goodness in Denver, man. I want to bring you out here. Like, so then it started showing up and, um, yeah, no, nah, man, it, it's been amazing. It's been an amazing journey and I'm still having the time of my life. Yeah. It's a great way, like, I feel like DJing is a great way to, to interact with music and discover new music and, yeah, interact with it in a different way, right? Because obviously rapping is one discipline and, and DJing is a totally different one. They are related, but, you know, you can you can kind of take different chances with DJing, right? You yeah. can try things yeah. out different. Yeah, man. Um, You know, I could, I could play a song that I normally wouldn't play and my audience might not listen to as opposed to doing a style of rap that people would be like, okay, that's not you, Skills. Like, mm. you know, I could play a trap record. I could never make a trap record as Mad Skills. Mm. You know what I'm saying? People would be like, oh, Skills, like, come on. Like, that ain't your lane. Like, you know, you sound like you're trying to be like Roddy Rich or, 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 or YBN, you know, Melly or whatever. Like, but I could play those songs. Right. You know what I mean? So um, that's a big difference in, in how the dynamics work. Like, because I love, like I said, I love all music. Like, and one, I realize that when I'm DJing, it's not about me. Yeah. It's about the people. That's the first thing. It's a good point. It's I think not about me. That's such an important lesson for people to learn too. As a DJ, I think when you're young, that's like yeah. one of the first things that you really have to kind of overcome is that people are actually there to have fun, and and you're the gel that's going to make that happen. Right. You're the, the, you're the connector to connect them to what they want to hear. Yeah. And if they have a good time then it's a, it's successful but you know just because i don't like a record doesn't mean i won't play it i've never been that dj oh yeah, we'll take, yeah. Uh. <laughs> that's cool um you've also done some pretty big gigs as a dj too like uh you, you've toured uh i remember when i first actually got to meet you and start uh talking to you you were you were about to go on the road with Nicki minaj yeah yeah how was yeah, that that was my first <laughs> that was my first real dj gig outside of like local parties was a was a tour you know what i mean so it's like i went from playing from 200 people to like forty thousand in arenas <laughs> in the uk so and i i only had like 15 20 minutes to open you know what i'm saying and then i would actually dj the set because she had her own dj i was playing for one of the openers and um but I was the first music that anybody in the arena got to hear. And I swear to God, Matt, when I first started, like, I had seven records. I was like, all right, I'm going to play these seven songs. I knew these seven songs would get a reaction. But I also knew that people had been in the venue. They've been talking. They've been on their phones, this, that, and the third. They're kind of getting ready. And then the lights go down. And you know that moment where the lights go down, and it's like, oh, shit, like, something's about to happen. Like, I'm like, that first song gotta be killer. 
You know what I mean? So, um, I, I and I, I wasn't transitioning anything. I was on CDJs, which I wasn't comfortable with, but they were more durable on the road. Yeah. Um, because we had we we hadn't even got the controllers. I, I I had a 62, which I was familiar with, but I wasn't familiar with CDJs at all. But that that process changed me as a DJ because. At first, I didn't. I swear to God, I was in front of forty thousand people, and I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. Like I knew the music, I didn't know the equipment, and you know, at this at this space, nobody knew I was. These these are fifteen, sixteen year old white <laughs> girls in Manchester, UK. They didn't know I. They don't know about the wrap up. They don't know about the nod factor. Yeah. Like all of that shit went out the window. I was just the first guy to play some music tonight, and. I would always wear a shirt that had my name on it. Um, and just so they would know my name, I said my name enough in the set. And um, that first tour, man, it, it, it was it was stellar. Because by the time I, I ended it, I was seasoned. You know yeah. what I mean? I felt like I was seasoned because it's DJs that go their whole career and never play arenas. Totally. I was playing arenas first. Out the gate. <laughs> and that was weird for me, bro. I was super scared. Yeah, I mean, I'm like, that's scary shit. I was super scared because I, I was like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Like, And I would take the CDJ, I would take one of the CDJs and the 62 to my room, to my hotel, and just learn all of the buttons and, and what I needed to know about it. Because I was like, I can't not look like I don't know what the fuck I'm doing on stage. For sure. And uh, yeah, man, it started, it started working. And by the time I got to the end of that tour, I came back to the U.S. with like a vengeance, like, oh, it's about, like I'm about to be a problem out here. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. And I'm, I also saw you DJ for uh, Lake Elite 47, and I was like, you know, I, I caught you in, when you came to Vancouver, and, and I was like really impressed because a lot of DJs, you know, they don't, they don't get on the mic or they don't have the kind of confidence or performance in the same way. Right. So did, did like your, you know, obviously, MC skills really help kind of break the ice and... and give you that confidence to put on a show as a DJ? Yeah. Um, being comfortable with talking on the microphone was definitely a a, um, a, a plus. Um, you know, I had patterned myself behind the DJs that did talk, like, you know, the Kid Capris and the DJ Premiers, mm. um, the people who were, who were definitely going to talk. Um, because I, you know my voice, like people know my voice. It, it's nothing to, you know, to not hear me talk. And I remember one time... Um, I remember one time I did Boombox in L.A. and Manuel came. Uh, you know, it was almost like, you know, the mentor coming to check out the mentee on one of his, his gigs and shit. I think I had like an early set. And um, and I remember playing. And I, I remember I played. I got, I got busy on the hands. I, I talked during the set and I rapped at the end of it. Wow. And um, I, I got on stage and Manuel was like, yo, he's like, I don't think you understand how much of a triple threat you are. Yeah. And I was like, what do you mean? He was like, bro, I just watched you host, DJ, and you perform twice during your set. Like, I don't think you realize how many tools you have in your toolbox. He was like, once you get, once you get this part down, like, you are about to be a problem. <laughs> he's like, and that's why... He was like, and that's why I'm so, you know, I, I'm so hard on you about practicing 
because everything else you got down pat. Like once you get this shit down pat and you able to get your tricks off too, he's like, he's like, fool, I don't think you understand, fool. Like you're you a one-stop shop. <laughs> and true. I was like, you know, it, it built my confidence and it made me practice harder. But mm-hmm. um being it being able to, to talk on the microphone and just, you know, interact with the crowd in, in the same way that a host would while I'm while I'm spinning is, is definitely a plus. Yeah. Shout out Manuel one time though. What a great yeah, dude. man, for sure, man. One of listen, the homie, man, the, the, the homie. Like I, I'm forever grateful to that guy. Yeah, such a talent and such a good person. Yeah, yeah. Got a lot of love for Manuel. Um, yeah. And now um, you also toured with with Jazzy Jeff um, for a long time. Was, mm-hmm. was what were some of the kind of the lessons and how did how did that relationship like develop? Um, well, we started in like uh, '02. Um, and I was with him for like 13 years uh, as his MC. Um, but yeah, uh, I mean, I learned from Jeff. I learned this kind of the same things that everybody else learned from Jeff. Um, you know, how to build a set, um, peaks and valleys, and just how to build a set. Um, crowd control, because I was on the mic a lot uh and me and him never really rehearsed. We just, I just knew what, I just knew where he was going to go. Like, wow. And one, one of the things about Jeff was, um, even if Jeff would play a record that I didn't know and the crowd didn't know it, like he would be like, yo, I got this new song, so I'm going to play that joint tonight. I'm going I'm to fly it in the set. I'm like, all right, cool. Like, I would act like I knew it. So... <laughs> The, the, we were playing a, a trick on the crowd, like, "Oh, y'all ain't up on this? Like, this is new <laughs> shit." Like, you know what I'm saying? That's like, slick. so you know, and you know, of course, Jeff was smart enough to sandwich it in between records that they knew and things of that nature. So, yeah, that's the classic. You know, yeah, nah, man. Like, it, it was it was definitely a learning experience for sure. And I had no aspirations to DJ when I was with Jeff. I was cool with just being an MC, and then it just happened. That's so cool. And and um, that was around the same time, I think, um, when you guys came through Vancouver a long time ago. I remember that was the first time I ever saw Jeff using Serato. So you were there for that whole thing too, right? Yeah, man. I remember him um, when he when he finally converted to it. And uh, I think it was AM that put him on to it. Rest did, in peace. Did you know AM? Yes. Yeah. Oh, man. Awesome guy. Yeah. Awesome guy. I like Oh man, like one of the funniest people and down to earth people I've ever met. He was super fun, man. And 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 as big as he was at his height, you know, that never changed um who he was as a person. Like he would still show up in a, you know, a vintage fat boys t shirt. You know what I'm saying? It's some shit he, <laughs> he bought offline. He had some crazy shirts, man. And and some dunks. You know what I mean? And, and just, like, he was super cool. When I first met him, uh, it was with Jeff. And um, as soon as I saw him, you know, and I knew who he was from just the, the, the tabloids and the trade magazines, and, you know, he was doing all this shit. As soon as I met him, he was like, he didn't he didn't know that, um, I guess he didn't know Jeff was bringing me with him. So I, I'm with Jeff and shit. And he sees me, and he's like, yo. And I'm like, what's up? And he's like, yo. I know you're tired of bouncing, so check this. He just starts laughing and nod back. That's so cool. And 
he was like, yo, he was like, bro, I, I tore that record up, bro. I, I used to get, I used to get so busy on that record, like Beat Nuts killed that song, and I was like, where he was like, yo, that's one of my favorite joints. And then, um, I want to say after that point, we started doing parties together. Um, he would always make me do that song. Like I, the first time, first time I did it, I, I was at. Uh, I was at Roscoe's on Sunset and Gower, and I was eating, and I text him, just blindly, like, text him, like, yo, what's cracking, fool? I'm in L.A. She's like, yo, my God, where are you? <laughs> and I was like, I'm at Roscoe's. He's like, which one? And I said, on Sunset and Gower. He said, walk out, make a right, go to the next corner, make a left, and when you get to the next corner, you're going to see a house with a dude in black standing in front of it. Tell him you're with me and just come in. And I'm like, what? He's like, do it now. And I'm like, all right. So I walk out of I walk out of Roscoe's. I make the right. I get to the next corner. And I start hearing music. And I'm walking up towards, and it looks like a house. It was like a house. And it's this guy standing at the door. And I was like, yo, I'm with AM. My name's Skills. He was like, yeah, go ahead. So he opens up this gate, and I'm walking and I see trash cans and shit and fucking I see like uh, a kill from like J5 standing against the wall, like some hip hop cats in there. I think I saw like Planet Asia or somebody. So I'm just walking and I get there and it's Retmatic, Peanut Butter Wolf and AM is DJ. And it's a fucking party, but it's at somebody's house. It's in like a backyard. He hands me the microphone, and he goes, you got to keep it real. And he just plays the fucking Nosecker. <laughs> Is like, this a do-over? Yes. No shit. So I'm like, I'm like, he's like, you got to keep it real. And so I do the song and shit, and, and, and I didn't realize that this house looked like it was a club, but it looked like a house. Yeah. Like, I thought this was really somebody's home, like, and... He did. He would do it to me every fucking time we were together. I remember one time he did that shit at the Palms Casino in Vegas. Wow. And I'm like, and this is straight off of Friday night, fucking hella drunk white girl spring break. <laughs> he's playing like Journey, and he's doing fucking another one bites the dust with his word mix. I think it was Don't Stop Believing or some shit or one of those records. And right after that, he stops and he gives me the microphone. He's like, you got to keep it real. And I'm like, bro, this is Vegas. It's 1 a.m. <laughs> nobody wants to fucking hear the non-factor. Like, nobody knows this song. That's so cool. This is at the height of EDM mixes and fucking, you know what I'm saying? Like, And I'm like, bro, no. He's like, you got to keep it real. And I'm just like, oh, God. And I would do like a verse and a hook. He did, yo. He did that a lot, man. It would be the craziest parties where it just didn't fit at all. <laughs> you gotta love him for that, right? Yeah. Like it would be dusk in and and you know what I mean in in, in Jersey and at, at a casino or some shit, and, and right after Poison, and I'm like, I wouldn't even play the Nas Factor <laughs> right now. Why are we doing this? And he's like, We gotta. Keep for real. <laughs> like, I, I just think I always felt like that was something in him that was like, if I have you here, 
I owe it to the culture. Yeah. To let this shit fly. Fuck them for a second. They'll be <laughs> all right. I can get them back. Not yeah, I mean, problem. let's be real though. The, you know, the Nod Factor is a classic. It's a great song, and you know, if you can't but front you, on that song, you know, I'm like, I'm like, man, we're in Vegas at a pool party, <laughs> Adam. Like, what are you doing? And he'll be like, he'll be like, I'm keeping it real. Like he would always say that. That's shit. so dope. Yeah, man, super cool guy. Uh, I wanted to ask you about um, Jay Dilla Donuts. I know he sampled your voice uh, all through that, and and you're in that. Like, how did that? Fe- uh, how did that feel? Did you? I know he. I, I didn't know you- hear it until way later. Oh really? Right? right. I heard it way later. Somebody was like, "Yo, Dilla sampled the fuck out of you <laughs> on this shit called Donuts," and I was like, "Really?" I was like, "That's the homie." Like, you know what I'm saying? I was still East Coast. He was. I think he was out here at this time, like Stone's throwing shit. I think he was. That's when he was living with Common. Mm. Um, and uh, then when I finally heard it, I was like, I was like, yo, this is so weird and random how he pieced this shit together. But he was always a creative genius, man. Like, and even when I hear those records today, I just smile just to know that he was thinking about me. Or he thought enough of me to put, you know, my voice in, in, a, in a lot of those joints, man. Like, yeah. just, you know, rest in peace to that guy. Super, super amazing guy. He's, he's greatly missed for sure. You know what I mean? Because you worked with him uh, really early on on your first record, right? Yeah, first, like, um, I, th- I was the first person to uh, to actually. I think I was the first person to actually give him a a check for a, from an actual production from a record label. Wow! Um, I think my stuff came in before uh, Tribe. Maybe Buster might have had one up on me. I know it came in before because um, he was mixing. He was doing a. Uh, Far side, um, around the same time, and um, because Tip made sure that Bob Power got to mix all of the songs. Oh, okay. So we were in battery mixing, um, and I think I paid him like three G's. He got like three G's per song, so we did three songs. He got like nine grand. Wow. And um, he was super appreciative. Like two songs went on the album, and one is on a dat somewhere. Wow. God, I wish I could find that song because it, it was paid for and everything. Like, you know what I mean? Like, um, yeah, but nah, man, I was, I, I was early in the studio with him, and uh, I passed up on like running. Really? And, um, yeah, I wow. passed up on running. I passed up on running. I passed up on. Uh, Got to kick something that means something. Mm. Uh, I passed up on drop. Oh wow. Uh, and it's one more. I would have to hear the um, Lab Cabin California album, but yeah, no, nah, um, yeah, that's the <laughs> running hip hop joke. But in my defense, when I heard running, it was just the loop and the shakers. Oh, okay. And I liked it, and I ended up taking a song from him that actually kind of had that same vibe to it, which was just going down. Um, Cause that's what he was heavy sampling his his saucer shit, and um, but it was just it wasn't the run 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 and it didn't have none of that. It was it and it was on the beat tape for like a minute. I still had a beat tape too. Wow. Uh, it didn't have a Run DMC sample in it. Um, it was just the loop and the shake. It was dope though. Yeah. It was just one of those loops where you could like like. Like you'd be like, I could just rap over this all day. Yeah. But I don't know why I didn't take it. Like I just didn't hear it like I heard the other one. Yeah. That's so crazy. 
I mean, yeah. the other thing I wanted to ask you about, um, we'll, we'll get back to, to Dilla and stuff in a second, but just like you met Q-Tip uh, first, right? Yes. How did that, how, I, think, I've, I think I've heard you tell the story before, but I'd love just to get it on record if you don't mind. Yeah, no, um, I was discovered by him actually at a convention in a, in a, called Jack the Rapper. I wanted, it might have been 93. Um, yeah, no, nah, he was in a um, lobby. Uh, it was this big uh, music convention in Atlanta called Jack the Rapper. Um, a lot of industry cats came down. You know, we got passes and we went down from Virginia. And um, I walk into the lobby. I wanted to go get a sandwich because I'm actually writing about this. I know I know it verbatim because I'm, I'm I'm actually writing the autobiography and it's one of the chapters. Oh, awesome. I went to go get a sandwich, and I come back and I see Q-Tip in the lobby, and he's 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 si- sitting beside this producer. This producer named Latif. Because I remember he had a pass on. He's from Jersey. He was playing beats. And cats were rapping. And I was like, wow. Like, that's fucking Q-tip. Like, like right there. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and I was such a big, you know, Tribe fan. Uh, People's Indistinctives. Low End had blew my mind. And and, and Award Tour had just dropped. Um, I think the album was coming that fall. Uh, so it's like this hotel lobby is huge. So it's it's so huge that it's like a tree in the lobby in a in a big ass like flower pot. But it it's almost like a a plant. But the lobby is so big this this tree looked like a plant it had a trunk branches. But everybody's surrounding him. I can't get in. But it's like a small section in front of it where everybody is. So I go around to the back of it and pull myself up, up to the plant. I sit on my ass. I get my ass dirty. I stand up. I wipe off the back of my pants and I walk around to behind Q-tip on a, I'm leaning in on a branch and he's looking like, who the fuck is this fool in the tree? It's a guy in front of him rapping and I just cut him off. and everybody's looking like who is the fool in the tree and I'm rapping and then the guy cuts me off and he says some crazy shit and I'm like oh this a battle like yeah nah you about to you have no idea who I am (laughs) what I do yeah I let him get his shit off I set up the uppercut the one hit a quitter set him up perfect too he fell right into it do it and right when I get to the end of it, it's like, of course, it's like all of the, oh, like, and he, and he, I remember he looked up and he was like, yo, this nigga ill, son. <laughs> like, and then on cue, security comes. Uh, like, yo, y'all got to break this up. Like, yo, if you don't have a pass, I need you to go to registration and get a pass. Like, anybody who has a pass, y'all can go that way. Like, they break it up. Damn. So I climbed down the tree. And I see cats talking to him, and I'm just standing there, like, but nobody has, like, you know, cats are like, you know, oh, I'm so-and-so, so-and-so, oh, yeah, blah, blah. and I see him, like, look at me, like, real quick, and he put his finger up, and I'm just like, oh, fuck, was he telling me to, like, wait? Like, what the fuck? So, 
he's talking to cats. Then he says, yo, come here, son. So I come over. He's like, yo, what's your name? And I was like, Mad Skill. He's like, yo, you ill, son. I'm like, yo. <laughs> he's like, where you from? And I was like, I'm from Virginia. He was like, word, word. He's like, yo, that's crazy. He's like, so what you about to do? And I was like, nah, my homies is here and shit. I'm probably just going to go in there to some panel or whatever. He's like, yo, you want to roll me to this radio station? And I was like, what? And he was like, you want to roll me to this radio station? And I was like, fuck yeah. Like, <laughs> he was like, all right, come on, let's roll. He's like, I got to go to my room real quick. And I was like, all right, bet. We go get on the elevator. He's on, like, the penthouse floor and shit. Like, this is the first time I saw, like, a, a penthouse suite in a hotel. I'm just used to seeing rooms. Yeah. Um, we go in. He walks in. I see, like, Tim's and some food, and he has a CD player on the desk. And um, he's like, yo, I'm going to change real quick. And I was like, I bet. And he's like, yo, you want, you want, some, you want some drink or something? Like, there's fruit. There's a fruit plate there or whatever. He's like, you want some? He doesn't. No, I'm, I'm good. He's like, all right, just give me, like, 20 minutes. I'm like, all right. And he hit a button on the CD player, and he goes, yo, this is the album. And then he walked out. And I heard, Oh my gosh. And I'm just sitting there like and then I just hear her talking. And she's like, a tribe called Quest. And I'm just like, oh fuck. She talks and then I hear it. And I hear Fife, Linden Boulevard represent, represent. I'm like, oh my God. And then like Steve Biko comes on. And I'm just like I, like my jaw is on the floor. I'm listening to try. I'm listening to Midnight Marauders before it comes out. Second song was a war tour, which I heard. I want to say the the next song was Sucker Nigga. So, like, hey, Sucker Nigga, however, and I hear the loop, and I'm just like, oh, and I'm I'm nodding, and then he gets. I got my eyes closed, and the song. I get to the end of the song, and the song stops, and I look up, and he like, yo, you ready? And I was like, was that what I said? Was that what I think it was? He was like, yo, you fucking with it? I was like, yo. I said, this is amazing. I'd only heard three songs, two, two that I didn't know. And he was like, yo, come on, let's roll. And he was telling me, he was like, yo, nah, I got this other joint, son. I got Large Pro in there, son. Like, yo, when you hear that joint. And he was telling me, he was like, yo, I got this joint called Midnight. And he was just telling me in the elevator. So we get to the elevator, we go downstairs. And um, we get into a van. And it's funny because I still have this picture. Um, right before we get in the van, um, I said, yo, I had a disposable, like Kodak, the yellow and black. Dog. I said, yo, can I grab a pic real quick before I get crazy? He's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, 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 give, I give the camera to somebody. His manager, I think, took it. Uh, his manager's name is Light, Lytro, his road manager. Uh, um, Chris Lighty's like younger brother. And then uh it was this kid that just got that just hopped in the picture with us. So it's me, this little ten year old kid and like Q tip, right? So um I get in the van, Q tip gets in the front of the van, it's already a driver. I get in the van, I get in the seat behind the driver, all the way to the window behind the driver. Q tip gets in the seat behind me, and in the back. It's two other people in the back. And he's like, yo, man, this is my man, Mad Skills and shit. And I turn around, and it's fucking Pasta Noose and Maceo. 
What? From Daylight. And I'm like, what the fuck is happening to my life right now? <laughs> and he's like, yo, this man, this man, this this man has skills. I was like, what up? I'm like, oh shit. I'm like, yo. I was like, yo, I'm a big fan. He's like, oh, that's what's up, man. So, you know, I, Mace goes, what's up, Paul? I was like, oh, man, what's up? And then Tip goes again. He's like, yo, this nigga ill, son. You got to hear this nigga, son. He ill. And he was like, word? He was like, yo, son, this nigga's so ill, son. And I'm like, I'm like, like, what is happening? We get to the radio station. I want to say it was Georgia Tech, uh, which had the same call letters. I think it had the same call letters as 89.9, which was stretching by Beto. Um, and they're... He's talking about the album and this and the third. And he tells me, he said, yo, when I, um, they're going to ask me to rap and shit, but I ain't even going to spit, so I'm going to let you spit. He's like, say that same shit you said downstairs in the lobby. And I was like, all right, cool. And that's the first time I rap uh, with, like, with Tribe and them. So I'm rapping. And I just had to close my eyes because when I open my eyes, all I see is Q-Tip, Paz, and fucking Maceo. Like, you know what I'm saying? So I had to close my eyes. And then I hear Tip talking while I'm rapping. He's like, yo, I told you, son. like, so they all like yo like and i'm just like oh god like and it's crazy because i contacted the dj because he had been doing that show for years and um and i and i was trying to get a copy of that actual appearance because i still have the picture um i have the picture that i took because i gotta get it digitized for the book and shit and um i went so we rolled back to the hotel and um He's, he's like, yo, let me get your number, son. And I gave, I ain't have a phone. I gave my house phone number and shit. And um, I ain't had no cell phone, no beeper, no shit like that. I gave him the house number, and um, I want to say, maybe like a week, a week and a half later, I came home after the convention, and I went back to work, and I told everybody, I was like, yo, I rap for Q-Tip, like, and they were like, yeah, right, whatever. <laughs> like nobody believed me, but I had turned, I had, I had turned in the pictures. But I hadn't got them developed yet. And I was like, yo, when y'all see these pictures, y'all gonna see them. Like, yeah, right, you ain't fucking. <laughs> I was like, bro, I was, I was in a van with Paz and Future. They was like, fuck out of here. <laughs> Nobody believed me. So I come home from work one day, and my mom says, uh, yeah, you got a message from somebody named Rip. And I was like, who? <laughs> like, somebody left a message named Rip on the answer machine. I was like, I don't know nobody named Rip. She was like, what's well, on the answer machine? And I was like, all right, cool. So I hit the button, it was like, like it, it makes the beat, and it goes, it's like, yo, this, this Q-tip, you know what I'm saying? Call for my man Mad Skill. And yo, uh, son, yo, call me back at 917. He repeated his number and shit. He was like, yo, I want to see how far you live from, from Hampton, Virginia. You know what I'm saying? Like, call me back, this tip. All right, peace. And and I, I, I hit the button, and I was like, like, fuck, like, like, I like this moment could change my life. You know what I'm saying? And um uh backstory. Uh I, I the pictures on my Instagram and I did a, a um a story about it or whatever a while ago, maybe like a year ago. The other day, the kid in the middle of me and Q tip DMs me and goes, Yo, that's me. Wow. And I was like, what? He said, yo, my man hit me up and said, I think it's a picture of you on Mad Skills page. And he was like, yeah, I was 12. He was like, he said, I remember you were, y'all was rapping in the lobby or something. He's like, and I followed you outside. He was like, and I was on a church retreat, like with my youth group. 
And he was like, that's me. And then he sent me a picture of him like today. And I was like, oh, fuck. Like, that is you. <laughs> that's wild. Like, like, I was like, moments like that, I was like, yo, I love social media. Yeah. Like, because he would have never seen that no other time. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Totally. Yeah, and, that's um, crazy. Yeah, nah, I send you the picture and then I send you the, the DM of him saying like, yo, that's me. And the picture of him, he's holding his son. And he's like, yo, like, no, nah, I, I remember that day. I was 12 years old. It was like summer in Atlanta, right? And I was like, yeah, I was like, yo, that's crazy. Wow. Like, I sent it to one of my homeboys. He was like, yo, that's so wild. What a cool that's story, crazy. man. Right. Yeah, no, nah, man. It's, you know, I, I'm, like I said, I'm writing a book. And um, when I tell people, like, you know, that I have some chapters finished or whatever, they're like, oh, let me see something. That's always the first one I send is the Q-tip chapter. Yeah, and they're like, "Yo, skills, I think you, you might have something like this is this is really fucking good." You yeah, know what I'm saying, so, yeah, no, nah, that's the next move. I hopefully, hopefully by next summer, uh, I can have this book out or somewhere for people to just read it, and you know, it's called, it's gonna be called From Where to Here. Oh, dope! Like the first record. Yeah, from where to here. So that first record, though, was that a kind of product uh, of the initial meeting with Q-Tip? Was he a big part of that? He definitely was instrumental in um, getting people to hear me because he was the one that took me to Stretch and Bobbito. Oh, okay. Uh, Reef, Rob Tulo, who was my A and R. Um, you know, you know, Lower East Side cats. They were all like connected from working at the Source and you know, Maddie C and Bobbito and Stretch. And, and this was around the time when Q-Tip was uh, heavy into doing. This was when people were starting to find out that Q-Tip was doing most of the beats. Okay. Like it said, produced by a Tribe Called Quest. But people were like, yo, Q-Tip, just, he just did One Love. Right. Like, he did the fucking One Love remix. For Nas. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yo, he he's on Mob. He did Mobs Deep. That's right. Mob Deep. So it's like people are starting to find out he's really do- the one doing most of the production. So Stretch and Bobito wanted to have him on the show just to talk about beats. You know, Large Professor had been up there with his MP, I mean, his SP, and he's fucking playing beats, and OC is rapping and shit. Actually, OC was rapping over Skills in 95, which is the beat I took. Oh, wow. Um, so they wanted Q-Tip to come up. I'd been running with Q-Tip heavy, just going record shopping. He would come pick me up. Like, I went to his fucking house in Queens and shit, and just going to all these record stores with him. And Bobito was like, Yo, you could come up here. You got to bring Tip, though. And I'm like, I can't come dolo. They was like, yo, just bring Tip. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm like, all right, man, I'll ask him. So I asked him, begged him. I was like, yo, man, um, I want to do this radio show, Stretching My Beat Over. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know that. And I was like, but they won't let me come up there without you. And he was like, really? And I was like, yeah. He's like, all right, so where you want to go? And I was like, yo, let's go look. Can you go next Thursday? He was like, yeah, fuck it. He's like, but what they're going to try to do is they're going to try to make me rap. Mm. He's like, I don't want to rap. He was like, you you rap. I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a probably spit like eight bars. I'm going to pass it to you. You just do what you do. And I was like, all right, bet. So, of course, we come up. And Tip don't re- even really want to talk about production. He just wants to showcase me. And um, they threw on a beat. And he did a quick verse from uh from uh that song they had the uh what 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 one two one two what 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 one two one two 
Um, he did his verse from there, which wasn't out yet, I don't think. And he passed it to me, and then I did the infamous Stretch and Bobbito freestyle. With my man's man skills, standing on the side. Don't we do the ill shit and let the shit vibe with the real hip hop. Uh, Fuck all awards, right? cause yo, we're coming through like Wu-Tang with mass wars. Mm, so yo, uh, mass skills, what the fuck you got? Get on the microphone, cause the shit's mad hot. Hey, tip, let's go crazy and get nuts like Prince. Representing, I got niggas camping out under tents. Word is born, yo, niggas can't see it. My style is fat, and MCs don't know wanna believe it. Goodness gracious, great balls of shit. I get fat about a millisecond. Weight watchers can't watch this. But I'm architect and living color like Keenan. Microphone molester. Check how I be and MCs. I flex. The next morning, I remember the next afternoon, it was like, who the fuck is Maskill? Like, who is this dude? And that's when the the record deal shit started. So I like a little label war. Tommy Boy, Loud, um, Big Beat. Um, Big Beat eventually won. Um... And yeah, that's how it started, man. Like, uh, yeah. So Q-Tip discovered me in a, in a fucking hotel lobby in Atlanta. Wow, crazy, crazy story, man. Just forever grateful to that dude. Do you still uh, do you still keep keep in touch with Q? I haven't talked to him in, in, a, in a good good while. I think the last time I, I saw him, I might have been in New York. We just happened to run into each other, um, but I haven't um I haven't talked to him in a while. But uh. I do remember um, when Apple Music started popping off and they were doing all those shows. Right. I think uh, Stretch and Bobbito had their own show and they had Q-Tip up there one time and they were telling him, uh, they were talking about me and he was like, yo, you know he's DJing now. He was like, yo, nah, really? He's like, yo, Skills just, he's just in New York. He was DJing heavy. He's DJing crazy. He's like, yo, that's so ill, man. I'm proud of that dude, man. Like, you know, I've ever, you know, got, got ties with that guy like, but yeah, man, it was it was because of him. Like I really got to see firsthand tribe in a in a, in a way that a lot of people never did. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, it was probably me and Dilla, like super close, with there for like every every argument, every tour, every you know, right around the midnight Marauders time. And that's when really when he the next time he went to New, uh, Detroit, he came back and he kept telling me about this dude, and I was like. Yeah, yeah, I, I wanted him on the album. And he was like, yeah, nah, this nigga better than me. Wow. And I was like, yeah, nah, whatever. So he played, we came to the studio with him, played the beats, and he took them to everybody. He took them to Daylight, he took them to Buster. You know what I'm saying? He took them to me, he took them to the beat. Now he took them to everybody. And he was like, yo, this nigga insane. Like, he's better than me. Like, That's crazy. I remember he would say that. That's such a, an interesting insight into, like, how you know someone would really go out of their way to help not only you but also you know you know right. Dilla I mean you know like what a crazy right. you know an, an air for talent and then also just a, a kind of like a selfless kind of thing to do for people you know no one's really yeah you know what did he has what exactly did he have, have you know stand to gain from that other than just right. beautiful music being contributed to the world it's really noble right I'm uh I'm talking to uh I've been talking to Dan Sharness and he's doing a book on Dilla. And uh, he called me and we, he did an interview with me about, you know, those those early days. And, um, yeah, he he's he's working on something super special, I believe, that's probably going to be. Cause like, I don't think there's ever been a book this in-depth on him. Um, but uh, Dan's the guy to do it. I'm looking forward to uh, hearing it and reading it and being a part of it. Man, that's some really crazy stories, man. I mean, wow. You know, I... 
that's all new to me, you know. So it's uh, really thank you. Yeah, nah, man, I've been around the block. <laughs> man. You know what I mean? <laughs> I got another couple of questions. Um, kind of, I guess, moving on a little bit from that era, and uh, around the late '90s, there was um, you know, you you had a pretty good relationship with with Raucous Records. Obviously, you were on yeah. on B Boy Document '99. Um, mm-hmm. Can you talk about? You also told me another crazy story, but just between us about Raucous Records. So I'd love to hear you just talk about your experience. Not only that record, but just the whole thing as well. Yeah, man. When I um, you know, I, I was working with Timberland, and uh, he was going through. I think he had a situation with Interscope, and uh, I had been writing and working, and then uh, Dre put out, uh, Dre put out Eminem. I want to say, and Eminem started taking over the world, and then Rockus had an opportunity to get Eminem and passed on him and shit. Wow. Uh, so Tim, uh, Tim, we had been working on songs. I thought I was coming out, and then uh, he signed Bubba Sparks. Mm. Um, so I knew what was about to happen, and I was like, "Yeah, I don't want to hang. I don't want to hang around and wait for that. So I need to get off." So Tim was like, "All right, cool." I was like, "Yeah, just just release me and let me get my songs." He was like, "Yeah, all right, cool." Like he was like, "You know, I don't, I don't want to hold you up, but you understand why I got to do this." And I was like, "Yeah, now nah, I get it." Like. Please get it. Like it goes. And he's dope. I fuck with Bumble. So so I get on Rockus. I get on Rockus. And Rockus was probably the only label I've ever been on where it didn't even matter if they made money or not. <laughs> like they had unlimited money to spend. Uh and it was just like, yeah, like like fuck it. You know what I'm saying? I, I think I remember the day that they put out, I think they put out Munch and they put out Most on the same day, right? It's crazy. Um, unheard of, I think. I remember those albums came out. Um, What's that, Black on Both Sides and uh, yeah, Black Internal on both Affairs? Sides, Internal Affairs, yeah. right? So I'm cutting on my computer and shit because I just want to Google this shit just to see. <laughs> But gotcha. so they come on on the same day. They come out on the same day. And it's like Rockers was just like, yo, we're like, we're like, we don't give a fuck. Like, we don't care if we sell. They had unlimited amounts of money. Because it's Rupert Murdoch's son, right? Right. It's Rupert Murdoch, it was like his pet label. Like, they they just spending money, right? And for those so, of us who, are, who, those who are listening that maybe not know who Rupert Murdoch is, he's the media tycoon uh, right. from Australia who has like, what? Does he own Fox News or something? Yeah, yeah. Fox. Yeah. Like, hella publications, TV shows. If you ever seen the show Succession, like, the main character is based on Rupert Murdoch. Wow. He's a media mogul, right? Yeah. So, it's just money. like Crazy money. Funding this shit, right? And so, it's all, they're putting out all this stuff, and they just, and it's, it's, Rockers was probably the last label that... The 12 inches mattered. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Like, you could get a raucous 12 inch. It's like, yo, I already know this is going to be dope. Yeah. I have a feeling it's going to be dope. Fuck it. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to listen to so I'm going to play it. Like, so I hopped in on that, and people were like, oh, shit, Skills is on a label that actually, that's where he needs to be. Most Dev, Talib Kweli, like, da 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 da. Like, so. Cool yeah, G Rap was on it. Big L. Cool G Rap. Yeah. I remember, I remember where they fucked up was. I remember they tried to get Coogee Rap to do a song with Nelly. <laughs> I remember that. I remember that happened. Wow. And 
he was hot. Like, he was like, get the fuck out of here. Like, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, October 19, 1999, Black on Both Sides came out. And Internal Affairs came out on October 12th. Oh, wow, same week. So, so, so same week, right? You know, seven days apart. So, um, I'm putting out these 12 inches. They picking up. Um, and I think uh, that's when I came up with the idea for Ghost Rider. I had been working on it. Um, and I was like, maybe I should do this. I was like, maybe I shouldn't. And I was like, and then I remember one of my friends was like, yo, just leave out the names. And I was like, oh, shit, okay. That might work. So, I did it. I remember listening to it. And um, then I was like, yo, I'm going to have a version with the names. And I'm going to have a version without them. And then Rockers was trying to get me to drop the one with the names. And I was like, yeah, no, nah, not yet. Like that, we could probably sell more 12 inches after this shit. So, um, yeah, but Brian and Jared were super cool. And then uh, I was working on the album, um, High Tech. Uh, you know, a lot of producers got me Red Spider, who I met through Stretch Armstrong, his name was Rush. Um, it's super, super dope. Super dope. Uh, and then they merged with MCA. That's right. And then when they merged with MCA, yeah, like MCA, I think the first project they put out was uh, Talib Kweli's album. And I think Kweli did like 60,000 first week. Uh, I think that's when he had the song with uh, Bilal called Blame It on the DJ or something. Yeah, it was qual- the quality record, right? Yes. That also had Get By on it. Yes. Um, Crazy. And and he dropped, and they had they had some uh, they had some yeah it came out two thousand two the first year I did the uh, first year that I did the wrap up um, November nineteenth. Oh wow! And then after that, yeah, it it was it was done. I remember you saying no 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 oh, waiting for the DJ. That's what it was. Yeah. Waiting for the DJ. That's yeah. right. Now, I also remember a crazy thing I think you told me, because um, you've worked with a lot of, um, you know, obviously your track record speaks for itself, a lot of great producers, but you told me a recent story where you were uh, with a certain producer and they asked you about Raucous Records or something that came up and you were like, uh, who was that? Um, was it Luke? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm at Conway Studios. Uh, and for those of you who don't know, it's like the studio uh, in LA that Pharrell works out of a lot. Uh, and, and Dr. Luke, you know what I mean? Uh, who's super big pop producer. Probably, Dr. Luke is probably right behind like Max Martin as far as like pop success. And I pay attention, I always pay attention to pop records as as I've had success. You know, with Nicki Minaj, I wrote uh, the hook for um, one of her biggest pop songs. Which one's that? So, uh, The Night is Still Young. Oh, wow. Uh, we're, I'm at, I'm at uh, Conway Studios. And I'm sitting outside, and I just met him through through my girlfriend at the time, who was a big pop songwriter, uh, Esther Dean. And I'm sitting I'm sitting outside, and uh, he comes outside, and he's like, uh, he's like, yeah, man, it's nice to meet you, man. I was like, yeah, no, nah, you know, um, you know, I was like, yo, you look hella familiar. And he was like, well, where are you from? And I was like, so I'm from Virginia, but. I was like, you ever been to Virginia? He's like, no, nah, I've been to Virginia. He's like, uh, and we're just sitting there. I'm just looking at him. You know, white guy, you know, slim. And I'm just like, 
it just dawned on me like out of nowhere, and I was like, "Yo, did did you used to did you used to be up at Rockers Records?" And he was like, he had a guitar, he was fucking around playing some shit. He was like, "Wow," he was like, "I did." <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, I know your face." And he was like, "Yeah, no, I used to live in New York." He's like, "Yeah, Rockers Records," and like Brian and Jared, and I was like, "Yeah." He's like, yeah, I was their weed guy. And I was like, what? <laughs> That's crazy. He was like, yeah, I used to sell, like, you know, I used to sell cannabis to, to, to Brian and Jerry. Like, I was their weed guy. Something like that. And I was like, I said, yo, like, are you fucking kidding? He's like, yeah, no. Like, I remember. Like, I used to do remixes for them, like, UK, like, drum and bass, like, remixes. And I was like, wait. I'm in, in my mind, I'm going, wait, this is the same fucking Dr. Lou? And he's like, yeah, no, I got my start there. Like, they, those are, they would give me dats of, like, acapellas, you know, and I would sit around and, and, you know, try to come up with stuff. He said, and what happened was they started to realize that when I gave them drum and bass or, you know, UK, like, you know, trip, trip, trip hop remixes and shit, they would start to get played in the UK. I did it for, like, Mose and Quad and high tech like you know those songs will still get played in the uk mm. like and i'm sitting there going like this is fucking doc dr luke used to sell weed at raucous record <laughs> like how does this happen like and he's like yeah no nah, man i was you know like yeah i know all those guys like you know shabam sadiq and i'm just <laughs> like yo like this is crazy like shabam sadiq Right, yeah. like, yo, he was like, yeah, like, so Shabam Sadiq was my homie. And I'm just sitting there like, this is insane. Like, Dr. Luke from Raucous Records turned into Dr. Luke. Like, Making hits for Nicki are, Minaj and everyone. Uh, Katy Perry, like, Kesha. what are the chances? Yeah. Like, the, the run that Dr. Luke had was insane. Like, it's only second to, like, Max Martin. Yeah. And because he, he was really, like, right next to Max I think they, they did a few big Katy Perry. They did a lot. Um, Kelly Clarkson, Since You've Been Gone. Like, they did a lot of major records together. Yeah. And then you get Dr. Luke and, and you get Benny Blanco. That's right. To, to Jay Cash. You know what I'm saying? So it's almost like, I'm just like, yo, Dr. Luke. This, this is the same fucking doctor. Look, like I, it was mind blowing to me. Like I still, I still drop my jaw when I think. And then he goes, he was like, "Yeah, Rockets Records." Like, and he asked me, he's he's not even looking at me. He's playing the guitar. He's like, "Yeah," I was like, "Yeah." He's like, with the resurgence of like you know the Kendricks and the J Cole, like um, you think Rockets Records could mean something? And like like now, you think it still means something? I said, yo, man, like, you know, Rockets was, like, a, a very good hip-hop label. Like, it was very stellar. Like, they were known for good songs, good production. I said, they, they were they were kind of creeping up, like, up next to the Def Jams. And, and he was like, yeah, I wonder, like, he's looking in the sky. And he's like, yeah, I wonder if, like, if I just bought the, the name. Like, I wonder if the name still means something. That's crazy. And I'm just sitting here like, like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> And this wasn't even that long ago, bro. This was 2015, maybe? Yeah. I'm just like, Cause, like yeah, wow, Doc. They had a, a, an incredible hit rate. I mean, I bought a, a lot of those 12 inches, and it, like you said, you could just count on them. Like, you know, they'd come into the store and they'd go out, and you'd you know, they'd buy them 
if you could get them you know what i mean and they'd repress them and you know every time you'd, you'd want you want doubles of them they had great instrumentals great beats great acapellas they were really good real good tools man fucking dr luke like i just <laughs> it's wild um now you touched on something that I'd, i also wanted to ask you about um and it's i don't want to glaze over it too quick because it's it's pretty impressive as well like you worked with timberland and i mean that's that's one of the goats you know what i mean like yeah. What more can I say? Uh, how was how what's that experience like? Tim is probably the only person I've ever seen in my life, in my whole life, that can make an idea, say it with his mouth. Like he can turn a beatbox into a whole thing. Like, and everything that he every sound that he made out of his mouth he can actually make on his machine mm. so imagine somebody like in the room like no nah, like, I like this bot like, and it's just nothing but a metronome and he's just going like and he's just sitting there he's like boom 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 and then he'll do that and he'll put it down and it'll go boom boom Boom. And then he'll have that and he'll play it. And then he'll start going. Bling, 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 bling. Huh. Huh. Bling, bling. And then he'll do that. And now it's going. Boom, 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 boom. And then he'll go. And he'll get hyper. He gets hyper as he's creating it. He, so, and then the next thing you know, it's fucking Big Pimpin'. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and, and then all the little nuances, everything, like the. Like he'll do that with his mouth, and then turn around and find that sound. Wow! You know saying like, and it's, 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 it's insane. Like, cause he started as a DJ too. His name was DJ Timmy Tim. Right. You know what I mean? Like, and he was known for making some dope ass mixes, like dope ass mixtapes and parties. Wow! Like, so he always had an ear, um, but Missy instilled that confidence in him. That he, you know, he didn't have at first. You know what I'm saying? Like, he probably, Tim was super timid, like, quiet, you know what I mean? Like, but around Missy, he came out of his shell because she was, you know, plugging in and like, nah, nigga, you dope. Mm. You might be one of the greatest ever. Like, like early telling him this. Wow. And, um, you know, Tim got to a point where, you know, uh, he could, I've never seen anybody mimic, um, mimic sounds that they make right there out of their own mind and then turn around and, and make them. Wow. You know what I'm saying? And, and, they'll, and they'll sit there and find the time like like, like you know, okay, so you've made the whole beat it's like, yo, it, I just gotta find that like, but I don't know what that is. I don't know what that sounds like. Oh, it sounds like wind. Like, maybe we should get some can we sample like wind? You know what I'm saying? Like, he will do that. Wow. And that's how you get somebody who sounds like nobody else. Like, I've never seen somebody create something from nothing. And we all create something from nothing when we write songs and we make up melodies. I've never seen somebody create something from nothing like him. Yeah. He's different. Like, he's a different animal when it comes to pulling it out of the air 
so did um like you're from virginia i think we haven't really touched on that yet but i think it's important to kind of put that into the whole conversation part here and and he's from Virginia, obviously. Missy from Virginia. Pharrell from Virginia. Did you all grow up together? Are you, I mean, are you guys similar? Well, we, we, we didn't grow up in the same areas. I'm from, like, where I'm from is like an hour and 15 minutes from where they're from. Okay. Uh, they're all in a, in a closer-knit, uh, they call it seven cities, because um, it's it's seven different cities that are actually all close together. I'm from the city I'm from is like an hour and 15 minutes headed the other way. Because they're right on the coastline. I'm inland. Okay, Virginia Beach? Um, in Richmond. Yeah. yeah, they're in Virginia Beach. I'm in Richmond. Okay. Headed back out. So, but uh, I had already came out. Um, D'Angelo had came out. I had came out. And we were probably the only two people from Virginia that had record deals or, you know, videos or whatever. Um, like I said, D'Angelo was probably the first person I saw that made me know, like, that I was like, oh, shit, like. It's possible. I, was, I used to be in talent shows with him. Like, wow, this motherfucker's now D'Angelo. His name, his name was Michael Archer. Shit, shit was crazy. Crazy. So, at the height of, um, I think when Aaliyah came out, you know, we were hearing whispers of, you know, now nah, you know the dude that did that Jones from Virginia. He like, nah, like who? Like, nah, Tim. So you know, we would get, you know, you seeing. You know, you're seeing a, a Leo on TV and a four-page letter and, you know, Hot Like Fire and, and um, If Your Girl Only Knew. So the success that they had had with Aaliyah, you know, you start to see the trade magazines, the source, the vibe, and you start being like, oh, shit, you know, Virginia Beach natives. You're like, oh, shit, like, they really are from, from around the way. And it wasn't a lot of studios down there. It might have been like two or three studios, and one of them was called Master Sound. And um, they used to work out of there a lot. And um, then I, I want to say 97 came around, and this was probably the height of Bad Boy. Like, um, you know, No Way Out tour, Mace, Puff, and they came. They came. And I, I want to say in this time, Missy, Tim had, uh, Tim and Magoo had come out with Up Jumps the Boogie. And, you know, you're seeing everybody in the video. Genuine, Aaliyah, Missy. Magoo, Tim, and uh, they were starting. To, they were starting to pick up steam. And um, uh, I this was before Rockets, so I had got off Big Beat, and um, I seen Magoo, and uh, Magoo was like, "Yo, what you doing?" And I was like, "Yo, you know, I'm just back in VA, like trying to figure it out." He like, "Yo, your, your joint was crazy. When your next joint coming out?" I was like, "Yeah, now nah, I'm off that label." He like, "What? You ain't got no record deal?" I was like, nah. He was like, you don't have no record deal like right now, today. <laughs> and I was like, no, like I don't. I asked for a release. He's like, so you a free agent? I was like, he's like, nah, uh, no. You the baddest motherfucker from Virginia? Like, nah, I got, you got, I got, you got me, Tim, dog. You got me, Tim. So I was like, all right, cool. So Tim and Missy came down to Richmond to the uh, to the Puff Daddy concert, and um, I met him. And he was like, yo, come to the studio tomorrow. I drove back up there and went to the studio. We made six songs in like one day. Whoa. And, like, and we have been tight ever since. Like, And that's how I started to, you know, hang around Missy and start to see, you know, how to write songs and how to structure songs and how they created it. And um, it, it was a pivotal point for me. Um, and, then I, and then he signed me. Like, Wow. I got to be honest with you. Uh, Missy is like one of my favorite all-time artists. 
And it's it's great to hear this like story about how she really built confidence in Timbaland, obviously one of the best producers ever and and just that is fantastic. I mean yeah. Missy like Q tip, Dilla, I mean, you know, you're just talking about all my favorite artists, you know, it's kind right, of right. it's quite surreal, you know, like these are, are perspectives that we don't really get to hear a lot about, but it kind of solidifies all the things that we think I think about them, you know, and how important they are. And yeah, this is fantastic, man. Um, and and the, just touch on the VA thing. I mean, I saw this uh, the Hip Hop Evolution documentary with Shad, and 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 you're in it, and it was it was a really really well done. I really loved the whole the way yeah, they no, did that. It was super dope how they put that together. And um. And I've heard you've uh, recently got your own day, right, uh, Virginia? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a mad skills day in Virginia. It's still still a little surreal to me um, to have a day um, where uh, you're recognizing your city for the contributions of, you know, putting this, this, this the state on the map, the city on the map, and, and giving people from that area hope. Uh, um, yeah, man, like... I, I you know, like I could get a Grammy, like I've been Grammy nominated, like but but bro that like that will that will outlive me. You know what I'm saying? And um it's a thing where, you know, every year it's it's on the actual day that my first album came out. Oh wow. Every, every year we're going to February thirteenth, ninety six. Every year we're going to celebrate it and do something in the city and like I said, uh it's something that I, I don't want to be about me as much as it about as it's about the hip hop community and just the music community in the city. Um, so once we all come from up under this uh, this quarantine thing and we're able to get back to normal, um, it's definitely going to be something that uh, the city celebrates. And I don't know, I don't know if it'll turn into a festival or if it'll turn into you know something that you know scholarships for kids that want to go that do music, that wanted something, you know what I'm saying? I don't want it to be about me every year. I just want Mad Skills Day to be about the whoever the next Mad Skill, whoever the next so-and-so is from the city of Richmond, Virginia, because there's so much untapped talent there, man, and there's a lot of people that are doing a lot of wonderful things and that need to be recognized. So if I can take the light that's shining to me, even if it's on one day a year, which I'm used to because I do the wrap-up, yeah. so even <laughs> if right. I can take that and, and, and put that, you know, to the next generation, my job is done, man. And I know, I know people will celebrate that day with me here and with me not here, uh, just because of what I've done for the city. But I, I can never, I can never discredit what the city has done for me. You know what I'm saying? Like that city allowed me to be myself. It allowed me to make music and. And, 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 and just look in the mirror and not try to be like anybody else, not try to be like a West Coast rapper, not try to be like a New York rapper. I knew I was a rapper from a place that had untapped talent and we had something to say, too. So I almost felt like like outcasts, you know what I'm saying, when they when they got when they got the lyricists of the year award. And it's like, yeah, we got something to say. Like, I feel like that Richmond has something to say as well. And, it, and, and it's so many dope artists there that are doing their thing now, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, I, I probably want to make like a list or something just just to let other people know, like, these are the these are the top 25, not even the top 25, these are 25 people from my city that are amazing at what they do and, and is making a, a dip in the, in the rap game, you know what I'm saying? So, 
you know, man, we we just a special place, man. Like and like like Pharrell says, it's truly something in the water in Virginia that allows us to be different because we know we can't do what everybody else is doing. And that takes me back to when I was talking about Timberland, like so he's sitting in the room and he's beatboxing and he's creating these sounds because he knew he couldn't sound like Premier. Yeah. He knew he couldn't sound like Dre. I can't I can't take that loop because you know what I'm saying? Like somebody already used that loop and made it famous. Like I'm not gonna chop up the impeach drums. Molly Maul already did that. Teddy Riley already did that. Like so knowing what we couldn't do forced us to be creative and come up with something totally new and something different. And um I love that place. I'll forever be grateful to to what that city has done for me and, and how it guided my career. Yeah, that's amazing, man. I mean, that's it's also cool to hear like how Magoo was really helpful in putting you guys. Yeah, in man, it, it was always showing the love, and and I believe that's another reason why people, you know, you get Teddy to the Neptunes, to Timberland, to Missy, to Jodeci, like you know what I'm saying? It's like we all were around talented motherfuckers. Like, yo, man, somebody got hear this shit. Yeah, like you dope. Yeah. Like, I don't just mean you dope because you my friend. This shit dope. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes that's all it takes. Yeah. Um, and you touched on something just quickly. I want to, I'll want i just get get into that right now um, before we wrap up. Um, <laughs> can you talk about how the wrap-up is like, it's one of the most anticip- antip- anticipated moments in, in hip-hop every year. And how did it like kind of just come about? Did you just, did it, was it uh, kind of a spontaneous idea? or? Well, actually, the wrap-up was created because I was working on a mixtape with all Neptune's beats in 2002. Uh, I think I went to the Mix Show Power Summit. Um, and one thing about me is when I was a rapper, well, I'm still a rapper, but um, <laughs> I, I still know how to rap. Yeah. Uh, I was always I was always keen on to do things that could create a buzz around. When I wanted people to pay attention to me, I knew what I knew how to make that happen be it from a quick freestyle or be it from an appearance on the show or saying a certain thing in a song, like um, building, creating a buzz in the early days of the internet and chat rooms and okay players and all that shit wasn't hard for me. Um, I would take little things and, you know, uh, I remember doing a, I remember um, doing a, the 10 rap commandments. Mm-hmm over uh, Biggie's Ten Crack Commandments. I remember doing a song called Your Favorite Joints over uh, the Bubba Sparks Ugly joint with a freestyle of a whole bunch of meat interweaving a whole bunch. I, it's the Stretch and Bobbito shit, but it, later, it's like years later. Same thing. Yep. Um, so I'm working on this Neptune's mixtape, and I'm taking all of the hard songs. Nothing, grinding, what happened to that boy, like, oh, no, like all of the hard joints. And my manager at the time was like, yo, you should rap over that common come close joint. People don't even know the Neptunes did that. That's right. And I was like, first of all, I know because Pharrell's the biggest tribe. He's probably the me and him are probably the biggest Tribe Called Quest fans in Virginia. Like we <laughs> met at a Tribe Called Quest concert in the parking lot. Well, wow. so. Um, but I, I know it because I'm like, yo, that's the Benita Applebaum drums like. You know what I'm saying? He's like, yo, he's like, yeah, but that joke's smooth. And I was like, it ain't hard, though. I'm trying to rap over all the hard songs. Yeah. 
he was like, yeah, I'm saying like that'll be a that'll be a um curveball. That's what he called it. And I was like, yeah. So I did all of the songs, and um, it was at the end of the year, and uh, I was in, I was at my aunt's house in Baltimore, and um, I was thinking about I was watching all these year in review shows, whatever. I was like, oh, somebody should do that with like hip hop, like. And he was like, yo, do it over the common beat. And I was like, I was like, just, but I was like, I'm going to just freestyle. Like, I'm going to just write. It ain't going to be no hook or nothing. He was like, yeah, no, just do it. I did it. Wrote down everything that happened. We're going to recap the year 002, this, that, and third. So I put the mixtape out, and I remember putting it on um, this guy's website. He was hosting. He, he was doing the web hosting for it, and I uh, we put the the mixtape up, and uh, this was early, like I said, early internet CD rip days, 2002. And he hit me back. He was like, "Yeah, I think I'm gonna need more bandwidth." And I was like, well, "What? What does that mean?" He's like, "Yeah, like no people are taking like it's the, that one song at the end. It's like eating up all the bandwidth." And I was like, <laughs> "I was like, what do you mean?" He was like, "People really are playing the hell out of the last song." Wow. So I had to up my um my internet provider. Some she was some tech savvy dude. He's like, I got I got to get more bandwidth. And I was like, yeah, yeah, all right, cool, whatever. I didn't know what the fuck that shit meant. So then I want to say I'm out somewhere and I'm I'm hearing on the radio because that might have been one of the one of the few songs that I didn't curse on. Oh, okay. Somebody just playing it on the radio. Like, yo, we got the brand new skills freestyle. It's called 2002 recap. And I was like. Why the fuck they not playing the shit I did over what happened to that boy? Like, that's that's my MC, my braggadocio. Like, why are they not playing that? But it was at the end of the year. So it, it started, you know, it, it, people started playing on the radio. And I was just like, all right, man, all right, okay. You know, I can't be butt so mad. But <laughs> I really wanted them to play, like, yo, I want them to play the grinding joint. But, you know, grinding was still popping, but it was slowing down at the time. So I'm like... Then a, a whole year goes by, the mixtape does what it does. A whole year goes by, and then people started asking on the, the chat room, like, yo, is Skills going to do a 2003, you know, recap? And I'm like, yeah, nah, I'm not. <laughs> like, yo, I think you should, man. They always say they always say the same thing. Yo, this year was too crazy, man. You got to wrap up this year. And I'm like, all right, man. Like, okay, whatever. <laughs> so I think I did it. And I think I did a, a, a rare 45 vinyl with hiphopsite.com. Oh, dope. Out of Vegas, and they pressed it up. And um, and once again, the song goes up. It's getting radio play. And I, I started tripping because I'm like, yo, this is the one song that I put out, and I don't have to ask anybody to play it. It just does. You know how you got to, you know how you, you know, you like, yo, my new singles out. You got to do, yo, this is so-and-so. I'm rocking with DJ Whoop-de-Whoop. This is my brand new single. Like, I didn't have to do none of that shit for the wrap-up. It just I just put it out, and it automatically played. And what I started to realize is that in in December, because I paid attention to, like, programming. So I'm like, in December, as soon as Black Friday hits, they start playing Christmas music, right? But after Black Friday, most people in the radio industry, they not even, they, they kind of half working. They're not really working. I'm off. Like, 
I'm off till January 6th or 7th. Like, I don't really have to do much. The songs are already in. I might pull out a couple. So then as soon as Christmas hits, they take out all of the Christmas songs. So it's like, fuck. Now you're just replaying the same songs. But you're not adding any new ones because nobody's putting out any new music. And the programmers will tell a, a, a independent promoter, like, yeah, you know, you're going to play that song. So they're like, man, that was last year. Like, mm. last year was last week. Mm. But they're like, yeah, that's over. Like, it's over. So I'm like in that space of between January 26th and, Jan- uh, you know, December 26th and January 9th or 10th, I was getting hella BDS spin because it was the perfect song to play. That's awesome. So. The BDS is going through the roof. So even if I was like, okay, well, just to get a royalty check, it's kind of worth it. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, because it gets hella spins. So um, I did it again. And yeah, it's been it's been happening ever since. And you, last year was with Lil Duval? <laughs> Black Men Don't Cheat, which is Lil Duval featuring Charlamagne. I only did that because I wrote the song. Oh, okay. And, I didn't know that. And it just made sense to double the BDS. Yeah. Like, and then I did it the year before. I did it over Smile Bitch because that was actually the dopest song that year. Ah, okay. And one, one, one more question just before we go. Um, you're, you were working with an artist, Lake Elite 47, we touched on her earlier. Um, mm-hmm. you still you still working on a record with her? or What's your Yeah, yeah. She's got another album coming out. Um, we're trying to finish it up. Uh, hopefully, it'll be, you'll be hearing something in January. I think we got the single. Um uh not january um i think you'll hear something by the summer um we have the single and we're mic- we're in the process of mixing now so awesome yeah yeah i love her work man um she's a really cool artist is there any other projects or artists that you're working with right now you want to speak on well it's a it's a guy that um that did a, a song i put out a song on mad skills they call all night um and it's this guy that did it named his name is gavin he's a super dope producer and um, he, he reminds me of, like, a, a better Kanye. Um, okay. You know, before Kanye, like, kind of lost his touch or whatever. <laughs> but um, he reminds me of Kanye in his prime, I'll say yep. that. And sure. um, uh, he's, uh, me and him have been silently working on some stuff. And uh, he's just trying to get eyes on his production. I just want people to hear his music and how dope he is. So um, we might put some, some things out in the near future. I don't know if it'll be under, like, another name or we'll name it under a group name or something but uh we've definitely got enough records to put out an ep of some sort um but yeah i'm looking forward to that it just you know i'm still writing still pinning still djing um trying to find new ways to be creative and productive and and do things that other people aren't doing um and just being ahead of the curve i've been doing this thing called uh the questions which is like a hip-hop trivia Game night, which is pretty dope. Is that um, with Steve Wonder? Oh uh, yeah, that's with Steve Wonder and uh, my man Sean, Sean K, um, DJ Spider actually as well. That's right. Um, Shout out those guys. Yeah, and I've been uh, I've, I have been doing them on the East Coast uh, live, you know, before the quarantine um, hit, and uh, we we're we're working on some things of trying to get that popping and moving so yeah no we're looking forward to it man awesome man yeah and we're, we're, are you going to be doing some live streams as is there a place where we can find you yeah um i do a brunch every weekend um called the 90s girl brunch um where i just play a bunch of songs for, for chicks 
on online. Uh, I do that on my IG every weekend. Well, I've done it every weekend under this quarantine thing. Um, I do Motown. On, I've, I've done Motown on Mondays for a couple Mondays. Uh, I'm in the process right now of, of, of you know, hype be, beating up my um, production. Uh, I'm definitely going to be going live on Twitch and some of the other platforms. I've signed up for all of them. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that and just still still DJing but giving people something else to enjoy while they're enjoying the music. Because, um, like I said, um, I've been streaming online, you know, on my IG and Facebook for – two years ago because wasn't nobody booking me um and uh so for me to get back to that and now that i know i have eyes and, and people are really enjoying it and you know because i'm really big on the sound like i at first i really didn't care about what it looked like as long as it sounded good i wanted you to be able to hear the music as you would if you were listening to a spotify or apple music or a mixed cloud or you know i want the quality to be good so um as long as i can keep the quality good we all good out here. Awesome. Well, hey, thanks yeah. so much, Skills. I really appreciate your time, and um, and yeah, let's look, let's get through this together, and um, and yeah, we look forward to seeing you online and and uh, in real life when we can again. Yeah, man. I, I I can't wait, bro. You already know. Yeah, man. Awesome, dude. Well, have a great day, man. I'll I'll definitely be in touch soon. Okay. All right, man. Whatever you need, bro. You already know. All right. Peace. Okay. Peace.